Hope Church, it is good to be with you. Uh, so over the next couple months, uh, we're starting this new sermon series, uh, and we're going to spend some time each weekend looking at some of the parables uh, that Jesus taught. And Jesus used parables or, or stories to teach uh, and show his listeners some spiritual point that he wanted them uh, to, to understand. And we can learn a lot from these parables that Jesus taught. And as, as the title of this series uh, implies, they, that these uh, parables often pack a punch. Uh, they make us consider something that maybe we've missed in the past. And so uh, our prayer is that, that over these next uh, months, as we dive into these parables, as we, as we read over them and learn from them, that, uh, that we'd learn some more about who God is. And we learn more about what it means for us to follow God. And so today, we're going to start this series with one of the, uh, the most well-known of the parables. Uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, and so as we get started, I, I would invite you to, uh, to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. And we're going to be starting in verse 25. And uh, if you want to use the chair Bibles, that's on, on page 843 of those chair Bibles. And uh, we're going we're gonna to look at this story that Jesus taught. Uh, and, and hopefully, uh, in our prayers, that, that we get a, a glimpse of who Jesus is and how He interacts with us. So as we get ready to dive in, uh, would, you just, uh, would you just pray with me as we start things off? Father God, we thank You. And we thank You for, for Your Word. And that you, uh, you have given us Your Word that we might know You. And Jesus, that's our prayer right now, that as we open up your word, that, as we, that we would catch a glimpse of who you are, uh, that you would show yourself to us as, as we look at this parable, that we, we would maybe see you in a new way, that we would understand more of who you are and what it means for us to follow you and surrender our lives to you, Jesus. And so we ask that you would meet us here. We ask this in your name. Amen. In all of Israel, life was governed by the law of Moses. And the countless traditions that had been built up around the law. And throughout Israel, there were scribes and Pharisees. These, these were people who were experts in the law. Who had spent their entire lives studying, memorizing, understanding the law so that they could know all about it and teach others. They were dedicated and they studied. They were without a doubt the experts in the law. So you can imagine being the experts, what, what many of the scribes and the lawyers were thinking as they started to catch wind and hear news about a man named Jesus. You see, during Jesus' ministry on earth, he created quite a commotion. Right, throughout all of Israel, uh, many of the religious leaders caught wind of it. Right, They caught wind and, and heard about this teacher who was traveling around and people were gathering to him and they were starting to hear different rumors about this man Jesus. Right, they were starting to hear, as, as we see in Matthew chapter 7, that, that, that Jesus taught differently. He taught as one with authority. And Jesus was also, as he was teaching, the, the word was that he was performing miraculous signs. 
Some people were even saying that, that, that this, this man, Jesus, he had authority over spirits. And as you can imagine, as, as the commotion grew and as more and more people were gathering around him, that words started spreading around as, as we see in John chapter 1, that, that people were starting to say, maybe this Jesus, maybe he's the promised Messiah. Maybe this is the one. Could it be? There had often been stories, right? There had often, in the, in throughout history, there had been people who had, who had raised up charismatic leaders who gathered followers around them and, and, and attempted to, to overthrow the, the Roman oppressors, right? And yet each and every time, uh, everything fell apart. And the leaders were killed or the rebellion was squashed and everything came to naught. But what about this one? It sounds like there's something different about this one. It sounds like there's something different about Jesus. So in the midst of all of this commotion, in the midst of all this wondering, on this one day, this one scribe, this man who had dedicated his whole life to studying the Scriptures, to understanding the law, who was an expert, he had his chance. And as we see in our story today in Luke chapter 10, here he is standing face to face with Jesus. And he has the chance to find out. And so as a lawyer, as a scribe, what's he do? He questions him. He tests him. Let's, let's see what this guy Jesus is made of. Let's see who he really is. And he asked, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? There's the question. It's a, it's a really, really good question, right? This is, this is the question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? This is the question that we all need to ask. Now, this is what we all need to know. It's important. We need to know the answer to this question. And Jesus turns the question right back to him. And as an expert, he easily answers. And he quotes both Leviticus and Deuteronomy. And we see in verse 27, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Now we see in the other Gospels, Jesus, when faced with some other Pharisees, he's asked the question and he, he, he answers the same answer. Right? This sums up all the law and the prophets. This answer. And so in verse 28, when the scribe gives him this answer, Jesus says, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Let me ask you. How do others know my love for God? How can anyone really know my heart? Know my soul? Right? How can anyone see how I love and measure my love for God in that capacity? 
Who can know a man's heart? I think in that moment, right there, that scribe, he knew he couldn't fool God about his heart. He didn't measure up. He knew the answer. But he didn't measure up. Something else had taken the place on the throne of his heart. The thing that he loved above all else. And for that scribe, I don't know what it was for him specifically. I don't know what it was in his heart. But I do know it's the sin of idolatry. Right? It's the most natural, in its most natural state, idolatry is taking something that isn't God and worshiping it as God. Right? And you all know what I'm talking about here. Right? Because you know this is true in your own hearts. It's the sinful state of all of mankind. That in our hearts we've replaced God with something else. So again, I don't know what it was for that scribe. But we're not talking about a statue or shrine that we set up, right? It's not idolatry in that sense, right? That we're, we're outwardly worshiping. We don't see it in that way. But what is that thing that takes center stage in your own heart, in your life? Is it pride? Is it comfort? Power? Security? Wealth, relationships, you name it. We allow other things to take center stage in our heart. And so although we may know the answer to that question, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, we know that we don't do that. And so in that moment, standing face to face with God in the flesh, Knowing that he didn't have what it takes. That he didn't measure up. He quickly jumps right to the measurable thing. Right? In an attempt to justify himself. In an attempt to save face in front of the crowd gathered there. Right? In a feeble attempt to prop back up the facade that was crumbling in the presence of Jesus. He tries to highlight the one area in his life where he believes his resume looks good. And he asks, who is my neighbor? (laughs) Thinking he dodged a bullet. He then listens to Jesus as Jesus tells this parable. This story of the Good Samaritan. Let's read that story really quickly. This is starting in verse 30. And in reply to that question, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, 
pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. For many of us, this is is probably a a familiar story. We've heard it before. We've we've heard this story. We've heard uh, the phrase, right? Our our whole society, their their laws called the Good Samaritan law, right? We're familiar with this concept, right? We've got a guy heading off on a journey. Beaten, robbed, and left for dead. And he's lying on the side of the road. He knows he doesn't have long unless someone comes to help. He knows he is hurt and needing someone to save him. And along comes his first hope. It's a priest. (laughs) What luck. A priest. These are God's appointed servants. Right? These, these are God's representatives for the people of Israel. Right? If anyone in all of Israel, what luck to have a priest come walking by. And everyone gathered around Jesus listening to the story would think the same thing. The priests, they're respected. These are God's representatives for us. They offer the sacrifices for us before God. Except... The priest goes to the other side of the road and passes by. Yeah, it's understandable, right? He's an important job. He's, he's God's representative for us. Yeah, he's, he's probably very busy in a hurry. He's on a mission from God, right? It's okay. God, if God's allowing this priest to pass and somebody else is coming, I can, I can trust him in that. But hope is fading because I know my time is running out. And now the second chance comes along and it's a Levite. And again, for those sitting around Jesus listening to this story, their, their mind goes right. They understand what Levites are. Right? It's not quite the same distinction as the priest. But the Levites were the family that the priests were called out of. Again, the Levites, the whole tribe of Levi was set apart for God. They were the servants in the temple. They were the servants of God's people. They were God's chosen amongst His chosen. But once again, the Levite crosses the road and passes him by. Now in this parable, as Jesus is telling it, here's where the punch comes in. The next person could have been anyone. Now, there are hundreds of different people living in Israel that could have passed by and helped this man. But who comes? As the man lies there, all hope fading, along comes the Samaritans. The Samaritans hated and despised half-breeds. Right? Any self-respecting Israelite would have no interaction with a Samaritan. A healthy Samaritan comes along, you would have crossed the road and walked by. And so as the crowd's sitting around Jesus, uh, I'm sure there are quite a few jaws that dropped. As Jesus continues his story, that it's the Samaritan who stops and helps this man. 
and not only helps him, but goes out of his way to take care of him, bandages him up, helps him on to an inn, and then, and then pays for his recovery. Samaritan. I'm sure that Samaritan had places to go. Now, he probably wasn't out on this journey just for a stroll. Right? He, was, he was on a mission to go somewhere. He had places to go. He had things to do. I'm sure that this Samaritan had uses for the money that he spent. But he stopped. And he helped. And he served this man. At this point in the story, I'm sure the crowd sitting around Jesus, listening to this interaction between Jesus and the scribe, hearing the story, are probably all sitting in shocked silence as they try to understand what just happened. It's a simple story. And Jesus asks the question, who was a neighbor to this man? It's not a hard question again, right? Which one was a neighbor? The answer is obvious. The one who had mercy. And Jesus replied, go and do likewise. And you see, this parable is, is not so much about us going and doing some crazy service for God, right? It's, it's not a call for all of us to leave this, this building and just drive around looking for an accident to save the day, right? It's not about just reading through newspapers for problems so we can swoop in and fix things, right? This, this isn't what it's called for us to do. But really the big idea in this parable is this. When we love God first, it will show. All right, go back to the question that the scribe asked, and then Jesus looked around. What must I do to inherit eternal life? What's the answer to this question? The answer is to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. And as that scribe experiences, he stood face to face with Jesus. He knew that his heart didn't measure up. And so he tried to cover it up by being a good person. Right, well, I, I'm, I'm a good neighbor to some people. And Jesus flips it on its head. Because it's not about what we do. But it's about our heart. And when our heart is in alignment and our priorities are straight, that, that God is at the center, when God is on the throne of our heart, then the things that we do, the actions that follow, are in line. Because our actions flow out of a heart and a soul and a mind that love God first. And this is what it means to follow Jesus. That we love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with our mind and our strength. And out of that, flows our lives that reflect who God is. John 15, 8 says this, My true disciples produce much fruit. 
And this brings great glory to my Father. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 20, Jesus said, By their fruits you will know them. Our, our actions, the, thing, the, the, the characteristics of our lives will show the state of our heart. The way that we treat others, the way that we live our lives reveals the state of our heart. It's a, a nice little punch in that parable, right? But the fun with this parable is that there's a second one. You see, you notice in this story, we quickly hear this story, we hear this story that Jesus taught, and we quickly align ourselves with the Samaritan, right? We recognize our need to be the hero. The one who comes in and fixes and saves the day, who's a good neighbor. <laughs> but the reality is, we're like the traveler. We're like the man. Robbed and beaten and left for dead by sin. Abandoned and without help. Hopeless. And even as Jesus is telling this story, he knows the outcome. And Jesus knows that, that even though we are enemies of God, right? not just despised neighbors, but enemies of God living in sin, he picked us up. He healed our wounds. He paid our debt. Jesus rescued us. In this story, we see the picture of the gospel. Jesus didn't just tell us this story, this parable, so we would know what to go and do. As any good teacher, he went further and he modeled it for us. And as He's rescued us, and for those of us who have put our hope in Jesus and His sons and daughters, He's given us His Spirit. And He's given in us a new heart. And we have the opportunity uh, to realign our lives with Jesus. And that even though in this moment, <laughs> to say that we, we've got that check mark, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. We know that we would come up short. We're not there yet. And yet Jesus has rescued us. We're no longer laying in a ditch hopeless because Jesus was the good Samaritan for us. And He came and He saved us. Would you stand and pray with me as we close? Mm. Jesus, we, we thank you for the hope that we have in you. We thank you that you loved us and you did not abandon us. We thank you that you loved us and we were enemies of you. You came and you rescued us. 
And Jesus, we thank you that uh, even as we stand in front of you knowing that we don't measure up, you've given us hope. Because it's not about our resume. It's not about how well we can do things for you. Because you did it all for us on the cross. And so Jesus, as we reflect on the cross, as we understand how you love us, may we learn to love you more. May our hearts be focused on you. May our minds be totally wrapped up in you. May our soul long for you, Jesus. And out of that, Father, our prayers that our lives would reflect who you are and how you love us. Amen.